Hello, and welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here, joined by Tom Jacobs. How are we doing, my friend? Yeah, good. I think it's good that we've had an additional day to get over the events of Wentworth and the BMW Championship, um, because we looked in great shape through 18 holes, 36 holes, 54 holes, probably even 60 holes, right? And we still couldn't quite get the job done which was tough man what six inside the top 10 going into sunday right i mean that's just uh, a dream position that you would look to get into aber looked like an absolute menace through 54 holes i mean that was probably the least worried i had felt about anybody that was in that top six right two stroke lead barely had sputtered i mean i think he had two doubles included in there at least two ob balls in the first two days i was like man if he just does anything, he's fine. I mean, what was the winning score? 19? Um, I think Fox got to maybe 18. Fox might have got to 18. Um, or was it 17? I mean, it was a I score that... It was 18. I'm pretty sure it was 18. Okay. So, yeah, because Hatton and Rye got to 17. So, yeah. any score... I mean, a, a traditional day for Mayberg wins that. You know, like, it, that's frustrating. He was bad. As bad as I've ever seen out of him. Um so frustrating to say the least. And then you keep going down the board. I mean, Aaron Rye was an inch away from getting into that playoff. You know, Connor Seam, if he had kind of kept his cool on the the hole where he what tripled or maybe even quadded yeah, tri- it, like he tripled, could have tripled yeah, his he, he made a pretty good put to uh, triple it. But yeah, out of bounds, then in the water with his provisional, then in the water again was tough. Um, and look, I think you you don't expect this from Aberg, who's obviously ultra talented and slightly shorter on the odds board talking about here but i think with aber right i think like a lot of people point to it as like oh it was a step up in competition a step up in competitors like maybe he just didn't have it but i'm not necessarily sure it was that i think it's the type of golf course he was facing there's so much more trouble you can get into at wentworth and if you just haven't got it on that day you haven't got it and i think that's all that really happened for him. um as opposed to you know being worried about Rams and Hattons and people like that. Um, Hatton starting as fast as he did obviously does impact that. But I think it's, I think we were just so unfortunate with with the Connor Symes, the the Aaron Rye's. I mean, obviously Rye, great finish in the end to to finish second. But like, I mean, he was so unlucky not to even force a playoff. So I think ultra overall, I think we were really good, Sky, at identifying the players that could get in the mix. And it's just a little bit of luck on Sunday. Yeah. And, and I mean, Aberg's irons were so good Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's what lost it for him on Sunday. Couldn't make a putt either. I mean, he easily, yeah. I mean, places weren't, weren't around at his number for me. Um, same with Tom Kim, who played exceptional. Uh, Sepp Straka was all the way up there. Masahiro Kawamura, your favorite long shot, was well. It was in that final group going in on yeah. Saturday to fall off like he did. Um, yeah, I mean, you you put yourself in those chances enough, it's it's going to have some days like that. And then you're going to have dates when you're going to go one, two, three on the podium too. I, I firmly believe that um, and, and felt confident in our approach, feel really confident in the, the European side as they approach now um, at the Ryder cup next week. So overall, I think they're trending very, very well and it's a fun week ahead of us, but we get to look at a previous Ryder cup. The last one we saw uh, in Europe, at the Open Day France, or I guess now the Kazoo Open Day France, uh, played at Le Golf National. Um, Tom, if you want to kind of remind people what we've seen of this course in, in the past, and maybe if there's any um, changes or iterations you think that could happen around this time. Yes, I think it was always kind of marked as this ball striker's paradise that played sometimes into Lynx golfers' hands based on the kind of stadium golf area and the hazards and things like that. Wind could certainly be a factor, and we saw some tough conditions in the past. So it used to be kind of a high-scoring event where not shorter hitters excelled, but you didn't need to be a long hitter, which meant that those that were best with their irons and wedges really um, led the way, right? Whereas when it came to the move to September, uh, to October, sorry, over the last couple of years, um, we've seen two winners in Nicholas Colsarts and, and Guido Migliozzi that, you know, suggest that you need to hit the ball a little bit further. I mean, Guido even beat um, Rasmus Hoygaard as well. So... There was a kind of change there that maybe distance matters. I'm gambling that we can go back to what it was like before, 
and that because we've had this kind of really late summer in the in the UK and Europe that the move back to September before the Ryder Cup uh, a little bit of baking out on the golf course potentially I think these these short hitters can get in the mix again so I ultimately believe that this is you know literally a you know, like a plotter's course, and it's you. I've seen you know me and David Tindall spoke about this on the, on the DP World Tour podcast yesterday. That like US Open players have done really well here. And like you look at kind of Martin Keimer and people like that that have won here. Tommy Fleetwood's contended here or won here, sorry, and contended the US Opens. Um, Graham McDowell's won the US Open and and won here. Like, and I don't think there's anything to do with those particular US Open venues because obviously they're all different every year. But I think it's the the mindset of being able to plot around these golf courses take the you know your medicine when you need to um and i think that could really play a factor and then one course correlation that i'll go into sky before we get started here uh, is celtic manor and i can't ignore it graham mcdowell alex noran and song charge id have won at both golf courses nicholas colsarts uh was fourth at celtic manor before winning here yost louton have won at celtic manor and finished ninth 11th and 18th here peter uline and richard sterney have both finished second at both courses um, so whilst I didn't play Celtic Manor between 2015, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, they played uh, four events there because they also had that Celtic Classic, didn't they, as well as the Wells Open, I think, in 2020. Um, so as we come into one of my later picks, um, and, and maybe you as well, that like that will be a factor in that decision um, because there has just been a lot of crossover. And I think it's not a similar test, but one that, again, rewards the people that play the course well sensibly um, and really dial in their approach play. Yeah, I think that's the key to me um, overall is there does seemingly seem to be a potential shift in what this year could play out. And that's good boots on the ground or uh, over the pond intel from you guys because leaderboard definitely did not shake out that way. I mean, not I don't really put Guido in a class that needs the driver. I mean, if you recall, Rasmus Hoygaard was eight clear at one point on yep. Saturday morning of everybody. Um, his Saturday was one of the weirdest rounds I think we've ever seen where he could have lost, he could have shot like an 85 yet. He like putted the lights out still, um, that, that day to remain somewhat in the mix. Guido's amazing round on Sunday, the round of the year is what won it for him. Um, but if you really looked through, I mean, Rasmus, Jordan Smith, um, was up there overall. George Katsia has done incredibly well. Um, at, at this time, but Paul Barjan, who normally um, is somebody who's a little bit longer hitting, Thomas Peters, all up there. Uh, 19. You mentioned Cole's Arts, could see uh, again. Hugo Leone, who was somebody with kind of a, a bigger driver, too. I just think that shift is what people got comfortable with. That was not what the 2018 Ryder Cup looked like. Um, and I think we could definitely fall back into those hands. I went with a simple equation for my betting card, and we're also going to be talking some of the daily fantasy stuff as we look through some of the zones because we're doing the show on Tuesday versus Monday, and we have salaries and decent contests. But the recipe for me was I think it matters to play off the short grass here um, when you can, and you need to be lights out with your iron. So I'm looking for golfers who can lead both of those categories, who can be number one in fairways, and can you gain with your irons to be top of the field? That was my recipe, and that kind of played out a pretty simple betting card uh, from my end overall. There were some definite questions, though, on which one at the top of the leaderboard was going to be my selection because three of them, in my opinion, could do both of them. Tom Kim coming over after a decent week at Wentworth. Alexander Bjork, somebody who you are very keen on, who could absolutely do that. The only reason for me, I was a little scared off of the recent form and because that gives me the tick to Aaron Rye, who I'm starting the betting card at 16-1, to 1, um, Aaron Rye, this week. Like we mentioned, last week, absolutely exceptional. You kind of um, liked the feedback overall um, on, on Rye's form, on Rye's setup at Wentworth, and then to move beyond that and play as well as he did. To me, it just screams what is needed at Lake Golf National. That form, the, the middling but steady PGA Tour season he has had, and I think he's a class above um, some of these guys here and, and could very well be 12-1. to 1. So 16s for me on Rye. Uh, it is definitely where I want to start the betting card. So give this out an Alexander Bjork because I think it's it's very close. Yeah. So the 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 again, it was I didn't necessarily get to Aaron Rye, but I could see the kind of head to head and the decision you might have to play with there. I think what really kind of broke it for me was that Rye's played here twice and missed the cut both times. And 
look, I, as we go on to my picks later on, I'm kind of steering away from this um, in terms of having to have the course form run. Like, I don't think it's everything. Um, but he came into that Open to France in 2019 off the back of an 18th at the Italian Open, 26th at Wentworth, which is a decent warm-up, um, and didn't really do anything. He obviously missed the cut. And then I, I don't know why. Like, I don't see why he wouldn't play well here. And, and crucially, he actually won um, on the Challenge Tour in France as well, which I think is a really important form line to consider. So I don't know why he struggled there, but the reason I went with Bjork over Rye Similar profiles, I think, both capable of, you know, as you said, leading the irons, leading the fairways. Um, with Bjork, it was just very simple, third, eighth and 20th here. 54-hole um, leader in 2017, 8th uh, in 2018 when he was 7th last 54 holes. Uh, and then even last year when he was 20th, which is his, his worst finish so far, uh, he was second after round one shooting a 64, 4th after round two going into the weekend. And hit a terrible Saturday, Saturday 76, but bounced back nicely with a 69 on Sunday to kind of make it respectable. So the fact that he missed the cut at the Irish Open doesn't bother me too much because he bounced straight back with an 18th uh, at Wentworth and don't necessarily see him in the upper echelons of being able to contend at Wentworth, which is why I kind of took a, a week off of him anyway. Um, so for me, I'm excited to get back on Bjork in a field where I think it's weak enough that he could win. Um, and ultimately, I think Sky's got to finish this season with a win to, to not be bitterly disappointed. Yeah, it's understandable. I think when I looked at the course form, I mean, it's always an uptick, but there was one crossover top 10. Katsia was third in 2019. He was third in 2022. Outside of that, there was zero repeating top 10s. Guido miscut pass. Rasmus Hoygaard, first time at the course. Paul Barjan, first time at the course 2019 was kind of a similar story with Martin Keimer being the only one that had the crossover top 10. Now the, the previous iterations when maybe that course was a little bit stickier um, and a little bit different, there was some Norn had a ton of success, Rob repeat six success Bjork, like you mentioned. So, you know, Bjork's form when it was the old style could be definitely something. But um, to me, I think there's, I don't know. My, I have almost zero course history going for me in any of my selections, and it was just because we've seen some randomness um, at Lake Off National. So that was my lean. Now, in DraftKings, this is where it's kind of a little bit peculiar to me. There was a clear separation um, on the odds boards from Bjork to Rye. I mean, Bjork was as long, I guess, 20 to 1. I feel like there were some 22s upon open. Rye is 16 down to 14 in a lot of books. But Bjork is the one who is priced higher in Daily Fantasy. 10.3 for Bjork, 10.1 for Rye, 10.9 for Tom Kim. The one in the middle there, Minwoo Lee, who seems to you know be nowhere near betting carbs due to the erraticness of what his driver could bring in. How would you rank those four if you were playing them in fantasy? Uh, Kim one, Bjork two, Rye three, Mimuli four. Um, I, I guess you could probably pause on Kim being one if you just don't want to pay up 400 more than everybody else. So I, I could almost go with Bjork, Rye, Kim, Lee as well, um, because I do think you're paying a, a, a decent premium on Kim. And I think you do, whilst you're at this course, and, and you've talked about the volatility of course form here, I do think you almost need to build lineups with as many potential winners as possible. Whereas like sometimes in DFS, you can kind of go top heavy and take a you know long shot on some of these reliable course um, operators, right? You know, in the low six Ks or seven Ks. I think this week it's going to be a case of, because we still don't know hundred percent know whether there has been a transformation um, in the way you can attack this course or not. I think you do need to pause and just make sure you get yourself the people that can blend both. So, um, I do think it's it's probably wise to give yourself some some extra salary. With Mimuli, he, I mean, look, if it if it's changed to what we've seen over the last couple of renewals, then he'll be fine. He'll he'll absolutely love it. Um, and one thing I did like about him is that when you consider how well he's played in the US Open, how well he'd played at the Players Championship, where there's a lot of risk reward and a lot of water and things like that, I, I do think he he can be reined in when it's important to. Um, but he was just, he's just so erratic, isn't he? And like, he just goes completely off the, he doesn't seem to have that gear where he can kind of bring it back if he's struggling, um, is what worries me a little bit. So 
Um, as much as he's in fine form with you know fifth, ninth, fifteenth, seventh, and fourteenth in his last kind of six or seven starts, I do think we should potentially look at some safer options, especially in DraftKings. Yeah, the only thing that that Minwoo like outside of, I, I think he's the most talented of of the bunch. I guess that's tough. It's time to script, but. And he's won twice on the PGA Tour, so maybe yeah. maybe it's a step. But man, yeah, I think it's still Kim for now. But I think I think the upside of modern golf suggests that Mimuli could be better Correct. in the past year's time. Yeah, I guess the only thing would be like if, and this is like you know two or three levels deep of thinking. If everyone is saying Mimuli doesn't make sense, then like Mimuli yeah, like, probably makes the most sense there. Yeah, right. Everyone, I mean, Aberg, as much as it was last week, he was cheap. Maybe not the course fit that I looked at, and he was lower owned than he should have been. I'm not saying this is the exact same recipe for Min Woo, but York's probably my fourth just because I don't think he – I'm okay with it in the betting. I, I much prefer Rye personally on the current form and upside a little bit on my end, and Rye's cheapest. I think Rye would be the clear number one on, yeah. on my end for it. Well, um what, I guess it does just depend on ownership. Like if, if Bjork suddenly the highest owned or projecting to be the highest owned, then... I, I think Bjork. I think it'll, Bjork will be the third, third owned. I think it'll go. Kim, Rye, will go. Brooklyn. Kim, Rye, Minwoo, and Bjork might be close there, yeah. which probably is, you know, very. And I felt the same for Bjork when he was priced. He got priced like this before too. When it was, it must have been the Irish where he was priced um up a little bit in a in a range where we didn't think he would be obviously didn't come through then but um but i think he, he was quite in, high at crans as well wasn't he and we kind of talked was, about him. and he was very owned yeah there. He, he played well yeah and like i think he can live up to it that's that's my that's my pause with just like because sometimes i'd say to you like i'm just going to bet him but ignore him in, in dfs because the ownership is too good but i think the, just with the floor that I think he offers, he, he's someone I think should be in your team. I, yeah, I agree with you. If, if everyone's kind of saying the same thing of, you know, we can't go in Minwoo League because he's going to drive you off the planet, then just give him a go because sometimes talent just wins out, in especially in the DP World Tour. Yep, absolutely. Um, moving down betting cards. So yep. I guess, you know, we're going to kind of go simultaneously through DFS and, and betting. I have one selection in here. You're a little bit deeper down the board so i'll talk um about who to me is is my favorite value and that's yannick paul who's 33 to 1 currently um yannick paul i guess of the ones if i am looking at course history angle right paul played very well um on debut finishing eighth in 2022 uh, but what yannick paul does well is this type of course where again he's he's very strong in, in a lot of different aspects um, has gained in the irons um, ever since I think it's now been nine weeks in a row um, since the vet Fred British Masters. He's been positive every single week. Um, putter hasn't, you know, he basically goes by the putter. If he's going to putt well, you're finding him on the front page of the leaderboard. He's going to hit fairways. Uh, and he's just somebody that I think fits this type of recipe that can lead the course in accuracy, lead in irons, and you pray that the putter goes well. Um, I think we're kind of through that stage of Ryder Cup snubbing or, or Ryder Cup being uh, um, on their minds. If Yannick's still showing up to play here, he's here to play. He's here to earn a PGA Tour card, um, right? He's 17th right now in the in the, the Rolex rankings. We're closing in quickly um, on the end of the season. I guess, you know, month and a half kind of left. But um, Yannick Paul, to me, is, is the recipe that can do that in the 9Ks, in the mid-range for betting. Um, you can get him with places in the twenties. I'm okay going win only there. Um, so he he's my second selection. Yeah. So Dave Tindall brought Yannick Paul up, and we start, we kind of discussed the Ryder Cup snub thing. And I think it's far like you. I think it's far enough removed now that he'll be over it. I think when you've got that constant reminder of all twelve players right in front of you at Wentworth, um, and you know you didn't do enough to make that team, and there's a lot of story about Moronk be, you know, being snubbed, and you're not even really talked about, it, even though you're in the points for X amount of months, right? I think there's probably a, a case of feeling sorry for yourself. I think now he's one week removed from that again. It's okay, right? This is a tournament I actually can win, and let's just let's just move forward. Um, two times in France last year, or uh, two years ago, sorry, 
Uh, he finished 11th, which is a bonus. Um, so I think Paul, I think Paul offers plenty. He's uh, someone that he probably hasn't lived up to what I thought he was going to be this year, and that's very critical considering he's been second, second, sixth, third, eighth, and tenth uh, throughout the season. Um, I guess it's just the back-to-back 45th place finishes in two really strong events um, is a concern. But I do think a lot of that would have been Ryder Cup talk um, because, you know, you can pretty much draw parallels around it, right? Like the Scottish Open, the Open Championship would have been two big events for him. He was terrible off the tee at the Open, and that's why he missed the cut. But otherwise, he was pretty solid at the Scottish 25th, 10th for the check, and then you could see it really, you know, getting difficult crunch time, 20th, 45th, 45th. I think he'll look at Robert McIntyre and think, I don't think you deserve to be on this team. So I, I, I think he'll still be a little bit bothered and hopefully he doesn't get paired with Robert McIntyre because I think that would be bad. But they might even be out already, the pairings. But um, yeah, I, I think I think for me, Paul is a good play because I think that he is talent-wise up there and, and almost being discounted a little bit because you've got Kim, Lee, Fox, Rye, um, in the field, and then Bjork, Dietrich, Horschel. Like there's, there's a lot of players there that you think, okay, why would you take Yannick Paul over these guys? But the odds reflect that. So a uh, long way of saying I think it's a, a pretty solid pick. Yeah, and I don't disagree. Like his form earlier in the year, you would have thought like, man, he, he was he was making the leap that a lot of guys have started yeah. to, and that cooled off. Yannick is an exceptional Thursday player. I think it's like six out of the last seven events has been inside the top 12 after Thursday. And that was big time events. I mean, even at the Scottish Open too. Um, so I expect him to come out hot. I expect him to be right there in the mix and, and can come through. And if you looked at him from a DFS perspective, Yannick is 9,300, which is some fair savings around him in the 9Ks. Ryan Fox last week's exceptional winner, 9,900. Smith, 9.7. Bob Mack, 9.5. Billy Horschel, 9.4. Dietrich, 9.2. Rasmus, 9.1. Antoine Roster, 9K flat. Clear chalk to me, Thomas Dietrich, this week. Are you in or out on him? Out. No, I just don't feel the need to play him. I think I think the real discussion here is what you do with Ryan Fox. Because Man, he, he, him winning. He, won, he won twice and he won the Razel Kymer and then finished 15th um, on his next start on the DP World Tour, um, which was a decent break, actually. He, he won in February and then didn't play again until April. Is that right? And then he, but he went well, win 15th and then followed that with three straight top nine finishes um, and pretty much carried that form all the way along. Then he went miscut, withdraw, miscut, win, miscut but then fourth and second. So it's a long way of saying that I think he's the sort of person that can keep form up even after winning. And he's got a sixth, a 44th and an 18th here. And I don't think anyone would necessarily, not anyone, but I don't think many people were looking at Ryan Fox last week and saying he's a great course fit for Wentworth. So somewhere where he's already proven that he's got a sixth place finish and an 18th. I think he's someone that you should actually keep an eye on and, and maybe just drop down to if you're undecided in the top 10th. Yeah, I, I I love going back to the winner the previous week. I think it gets overlooked. People play too much of an angle. Shout out to Jamie Worsley last week being the yeah. solo bet in the industry on Fox, winning that. It's always a fun feeling um, to hit that. So I think Fox is an exceptional play, um, especially, I mean, if people overthink that angle. A Minwoo Fox start of a lineup is, is kind of spicy and something that yeah. might not be the traditional route. I and mean, if you won at Wentworth, with how erratic his accuracy is, man, he can, he can do some damage here. Uh, I'm okay. Skipping McIntyre Horschel yeah. seems like it would be a, a fun type of, of play here. He's been really good when it comes to fantasy scoring. His birdies are up plenty. He gets lots of low rounds. His finishes may not be what you would want for somebody you got to pay up a little bit more for. I mean, 18th was still okay last week. Um, but even at the Irish, he scored a ton. Uh, I kind of like him maybe here uh, to pair up with Yannick too. Yeah, because people are going to just look at the Sunday rounds and just pause on him for a betting perspective, right? But as you said, when it comes to drafting scoring, it doesn't really matter. Um, So when you're focusing on just what he's doing in this format, that's all that you really care about, I guess. Like 97.5 points last time, 83, 111, 95 is last four events. You should probably play him. 
Like, he's been, what, uh, 9K and 8.5K the last two weeks. He's 9-4 now, but I think that's a fair reflection of kind of two steady weeks of scoring and a weaker field. Yeah, I'm with you on uh, passing on Dietrich Chalk, too. I think um, I would like to, to make more of a stand there and be underweight um, or avoid in higher dollar just because, man, his finishes do not um, – show even though I, I, he was solo lead on saturday morning right like it's yeah. it's a tough go for him um i don't think anybody i mean smith is i i wouldn't mind smith i mean he seems like he could could play well here uh but i don't feel the need as much as somebody like fox yannick and billy would be my three favorites yeah i, I think with smith it's one of those ones where we've been at what three or four courses now where you think this is a perfect golf course for him and I think that again this week, um, and he's finished 30th, 21st and 7th here, but he seems to flatter to deceive a little bit like Dietrich, just hasn't got that kind of mentality he had last year. So I I think we're looking at Fox really as my only standout in the nines. Paul I do like and Horshaw I do like, but I'm very much with you and I never know what to do with Rasmus Hoygaard. Like I, I literally yeah. don't. I, he's the type that I guess if you want to get really different, I guess you go Minwoo Lee, Rasmus, and 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 do something from there. But like because he has the upside to win, but I can't do it. No, I, I'm very far off of Rasmus personally. I mean, he's somebody that you probably get at one to two percent that has the upside. So, but these contests aren't big enough, in my opinion, to to have to make that type of stand at that price. Um, on down the board. Um, next up is what I, if you're telling me somebody who's going to lead this week in strokes gain approach, I'm going to pick the golfer who has basically done so for four consecutive events, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Connor Syme has been exceptional, absolutely exceptional with his irons. I mean, four straight top fours, probably if he putted to any degree, could have really found himself into the mix um, on a lot of those. It's the question of how is Sunday going to factor for him? It just seems like a matter of time, Tom. It, it really does. He's accurate. He just lines up to everything you could possibly ask for. I'm up betting places with him. He's 45 to 1 with six places here in the States. It's important for me to get the places with him. But but tell us why uh, even more so um, that we really like him this week. Yeah, look, you get eight places with him in in the UK, right? So that's why we're very confident on on Connor Seaman being able to play. So, look, I talked about that Celtic Manor angle earlier in the show, and it was basically for this one player: uh, second, third, eighth, and eighteenth at Celtic Manor between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty two. Best chance to win. He, he comes second behind uh, Callum Shinkwin, a decent amount as well. Shinkwin played well that day. Um, obviously he has missed those two cuts a little bit like Aaron Wright it looks like a good golf course for him but he hasn't proven it yet um, so like you I'm definitely going with that recent form over kind of the course history there but like you said the, the, the approach numbers are ridiculous and they're actually even more ridiculous when you consider that he lost like over two on two screen yesterday or Sunday yeah. sorry and like nearly two on approach and it was all basically that one hole where he literally went out of bounds, then hit a provision on the water, then hit another one in the water. He still finished third in approach and eighth in T-screen. He's first in both uh, those metrics over since the return. So I don't know how you get away from someone like Connor Seymour because, look, he's got four straight top tens, as you already referenced. He's got, um, you know, the form at the similar courses that we like. You could argue he's gone fourth, third, seventh and tenth. Maybe he's trending in the wrong direction. I would say... Let's pause on that because he's been seventh and tenth in two stronger fields in in recent weeks, and really and truly final round yet on Sunday. Look, I, I wasn't completely surprised uh, at all. I was surprised when he goes and makes a seven uh, after going out of bounds and twice in the water. But you're not surprised to see Connor Sign go backwards, especially in that kind of elite company. Um, I think it's going to be a real wake up call of okay, I'm going to drop in quality this week. I'm not going to be paired with. Um, you know, Tommy Fleetwood and being chased by Rahm and having to take on a sensation like Aberg, let's just get the job done. Um, so, yeah, pretty confident that Connor Syme is going to go well again this week. Yep, 
totally agree. Echo all of that. And if I'm going to go with the approach in which I have, like it would be incorrect to not land on, on Connor Syme this week. Um, he is at 8.7K, surrounded by Olsen, Victor Perez, uh, a popular Adrian Otegue this week um, at the higher eights. And then your next selection, who I think Otegue, Kimsey, and honestly, you know, Connor Simon are, are all going to be popular in this middle range. But but talk to us about Nathan Kimsey and why you're you're keen on him again. Yeah, so I think look, I think Nathan Kimsey's that classic bet him, but maybe don't play him in lineups because as much as he looks pretty safe and he looks a good bet, he's the type of person I think that could just finish, I don't know, 27th and really flattered to deceive. I think the betting number is good enough to take a chance on him. He's had a really solid summer. I mean, a lot of people listening to this show will be thinking about the Barbasol Championship where he lost in a playoff to Vincent Norman. Obviously, he could have won, the, uh, won there and got his PJ Tour card. But I'm just going to go back to his debut, and he was really he had a really poor rookie season on the, on the DP World Tour, then the European Tour. Um, but when he was at his golf course, he was second after round one, fifth going into the weekend, and that's huge. At an event, you know, and at a golf course that demands confident play in a season where he was poor. So the fact that he's now going to come up here with his sort of tail up um, was great with the approach last week. Sixth in strokes going to approach, 17th tee to green. 28th and a really strong Wentworth field when you consider 12 of those players are, are Ryder Cuppers, right? Um, I, I'm i pretty confident that Kimsey's going to come through uh, and finish inside that top eight for me in the betting perspective, top six for you guys in the US. But there is a slight pause in terms of is there a better DraftKings option for him? Because I, I don't necessarily know he's going to get it done by this electric scoring. I feel like he's going to be pretty steady and then kind of make the, the scoring where he needs to. Yeah, the the only I mean, he was right there in, in asking my question. He's going to be leading the field, you know, or or quite close in accuracy, and yeah. his irons are more spiking versus consistency, yeah. like Connor Syme has there, you know, or some of the other guys that I've been on. But his spike weeks have been exceptional uh, um, on it. But even like at the Barbasol, he did lose strokes approach that week uh, when he you know found himself in that playoff. So. I don't know. That was the only holdback for him. I mean, no tagway makes a lot of sense too. accuracy irons played well at this type of course uh, or at this course. So I can, I can see there now Guido might be on an Island a hundred dollars below those guys. Like I, I think Connor sign, no matter what, for me, I feel confident in that of the, those three guys, the top eight K's. I mean, Thor, if he's going to get overlooked at 8.9, could make some sense. Uh, Wentworth isn't really his jam and played okay. Um, you know, 30-30 kind of fell off with his iron. So, so that 30-30 is actually really impressive for him. Um, and he got better throughout the week. So on Oniston, I think because he's at that top range, he might get overlooked, like you say. Guido is, is what he is. I, th- I think it's... I can't see him coming out and doing exactly what he did last year, but um, he, he will be overlooked a little bit, I think. Uh, I am definitely interested in in these lower eight Ks in this in this range. Yeah, um, you know, full disclosure with Guido kind of being now in a different betting range than what he has. Right, he's not uh, on the on the betting card, but the upside always does exist. I mean, this is where he won last year out of completely nowhere. You know, basically, you know, even me who who bets him every week was not you know, featured on, on Guido, uh, last, last time around. So, uh, but to me, the one that I, I really love in the AKs in, in betting at 66 to one with six places is Henny Duplessis. Henny Duplessis is irons three consecutive weeks have been gaining at least a quarter stroke of around his best irons in stretch at the BMW PJ championship, a sneaky 10th at Wentworth last week off the tee was firing where I do have some questions for Henny. Can he's not going to be the one that's going to lead in accuracy. He's popped time and time again, um, at accuracy, but it's not a consistent part of his game, but he has not missed a cut since the Italian open, which was all the way back in May. Um, you know, he's just had a sneaky strong year and it's been led lately by these irons. So to me, 
that recipe of trending consistent irons, playing weekends, showing up at a course that should fit. Not that he's, you know, bad off the tee. He is gaining strokes off the tee almost every single week. I think it's seven out of the last eight events he's been in the positive. So he's going to ball strike his way around here. He's going to play well, in my opinion. You know, he made the cut on his debut. Um, so 8,100 for me is where I, I really, really like it in the 8Ks. I think you can see. Yeah, so I, th- I think with with Duplessis, uh, I think he's a. I, I feel like we talked about him a few weeks in a row now and not got there, and I feel like that's how I felt exactly this week. I wanted to be the week that I was on him. I felt like the the lower field strength would help with that. I'd, I'd maybe want to go to him, but it's to your point that like, yeah, he's been gaining off the tee, but it's been a lot of distance, and if this is going to play the way it did previous to Nicholas Colesart's win in 2019, then I think he might struggle. Um, <coughs> because it's because he's a vet, like the way he's been playing, they're still kind of middling results, right? So I think from a betting perspective, yes, the temp was really good last week um, and his approach numbers were the best they've been since, I don't know, like the real start of the year. I just, I just have a slight hang up on him, but I think I think he's a solid player in this. I think Grant Forrest is also interesting from a DraftKings perspective. I think he's just playing some good golf, but again, potentially someone that needs a little bit more room off the tee and, and the distance, right? So um, you split the middle of Richie Ramsey, who is the accurate type. If it goes back to to what it was before, then it could be really appealing. But I think Duplessis is probably the player eighty one hundred there. Yeah. The other one that, that comes to mind is the consistency of what we've seen out of Jorge Campillo, right? I guess you're still paying a premium for somebody who seemingly should be around for the weekend. Um, he did say on uh, Chasing Pars, Craig Thompson's podcast, when he interviewed Campillo, that Le Golf National is his favorite golf course on tour. So we've seen it in a couple better results. Hasn't been, um, you know, overall the best here, but Campillo can always uh, turn it on. So I think him... 8K makes sense. I think a lot of people will lean on Matt Southgate, somebody who plays in the fairway, plays good irons, can make that argument to me when Matthew Southgate gets popular, I I run the other way personally. So I'm okay skipping and getting down into the sevens where we will pick up the pace a little bit more. Um, If I looked at people that could end up being popular, I think Marcel Seen will get clicked a lot at 7,700. Seems to be a decent value. Uh, Again, he's more of the erraticness um, versus consistency in some of these compartments in which I'd ask for, but I think he uh, popped quite a bit. Um, Callan Shinkwin, somebody who definitely uh, is on a lot of bidding cards after exceptional um, kind of uh, performance last week at Wentworth. You mentioned the Celtic Manor. That's right up Shinkwin's success line. So he is available at, let's see, $7,600. The one that stood out to me a little bit, I paid way too much for Laurie Cantor the last time we saw him on the DP World Tour. He's done nothing but not play well anywhere. But man, 7700 versus, I mean, he had to be like almost 10K the last time we saw Laurie Cantor um, on, on the DP World Tour. He was like 22s when I bet him. So I think he, for me, in this kind of range, um, would be the one, but you've got one, uh, Rikuya Hoshino, that you're intrigued at um, in the outright market. So, so talk to us overall on Hoshino. Yeah, so first of all, echo your sentiments. I knew you'd go with Laurie Cancer when I saw the price. I, <laughs> I completely understand it. Um, Callum Shinkwin, I was very close to betting on, but he went from 100 to 1 down to kind of like 70, 80. And, and by that point, I'd kind of pause. He's not the type that every time you think Callum Shinkwin's going to play well, he doesn't, is the kind of feeling I get. So... Um, I was quite happy to run the other way, like you said, on um, Campillo there. Um, I think Rikoyo Hishino is the type of person that can break through at any point. This is a person that's won throughout his whole career. And OK, it's been in Japan, but he turned professional in 2016, won on the Japanese Challenge Tour in 2017, and then won every single year from 2018 to 2022 on the Japan Tour. He won twice in 2021, and he lost a playoff in 2019, and 2022 so he could have easily had three multiple win seasons in japan and then when he's come over to the dp world tour regularly this season sixth of the razor karma championship where he was top four after 54 and then he was yeah so he's sixth of the razor karma championship then he was inside the top four after 54 holes at home at the isps hander you know where we were kind of looking at these japanese players that had been playing regularly uh then finished third at the bmw international open which i liked it's if 
if it is going to get a little bit longer this week, then at least he's shown that he can turn up on a good golf course like that. Made the cut at the Open Championship, which was impressive. Seventh at the Irish Open and 25th last week at Wentworth, where he's 12th going into Sunday. I'm a pretty big believer in like winning form can travel. I think we've seen it in kind of Tom Kim and, and players like that. And look, I'm not saying Ashino is in Tom Kim's stratosphere in terms of ability, but we have seen that these players, if they, they do impress uh, in Asia, they can bring it over here. And US Open winners, as I said to you last, uh, you know, at the start of the show, have done well at this golf course. And his best ever major finish is 26th at Torrey Pines in 2021. And he was top five after round one. So a little bit of an extra thing there for Hishino. I just overall think he's a very solid, tidy player. It's maybe overlooked because people don't know a ton about him. And admittedly, I don't until I just look at kind of betting into him. So hasn't got those kind of standout approach numbers that we've liked so far with our picks. But I think Hishino brings that winning edge from, from previous years. Yeah, he's a, he's a fun one. Um, the U.S. Open angle is interesting. I, I totally forgot that Rahim. And then that does make me think about Guido's U.S. Open track record yeah. of, of two top 20. And, and I think that's uh, why for him. You, like, that's why Dave brought it up, because like Guido's not someone you think about that should succeed at the U.S. Open and has done twice. So like I think yeah. that could be a massive thing. And when you look at McDowell and, and players like that in the past, it, it's definitely um, travelled. So yeah, I think it's just a fun thing to add to Hishino. I was betting me either way, like that US Open was a bonus thing. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So I looked it up. Laurie Cantor was 9,600 last time we saw him at the UB World Tour. So huge gap in in the field wasn't all that much different in in strength, probably. So um, we see that. Um, To me, that's kind of my thoughts on the high sevens. Low sevens is where um, I fill it up a little bit more. Um, I am betting Daniel Brown this week. So Daniel Brown, somebody, uh, I guess 7.5K in DFS. You can find him 100 to 1 with six places here in the States. Daniel Brown, breakthrough winner at the ISPS Honda. So that was the event Cantor was in. So not that strong relative compared to this. But Brown had, came out 14th to Czech Masters the week after that. He was 7th at the Barbasol Championship. And then last week at BMW, he popped once again with these irons. So we're looking at four of the last five weeks with rather quality irons for him. He is, you know, that guy that leads in fairways quite quite frequently, or at least is showing that side of his game all year long. I, I just, you know, really like what Brown has put together. Again, I'm not scared of, of a recent win. And he came off firing almost immediately after that. So at this side of the game, Chipping can be a problem if he's able to hit the greens like he has to here to excel. Um, that to me screams Daniel Brown week uh, with his game. Yeah, it's, he's been really impressive since he won. Like, he barely made the cut in Ireland and finished 83rd, which shows a problem with the cut line rather than anything else in Ireland. But the fact that he actually finished 51st at Wentworth is is fine. Like, uh, it's, it'd probably be a, an event that he sort of circled once he won. Um, I don't know if he was actually in it beforehand, but close of a 68 there. Followed up his win with a 14 for the Czech Master, which I wouldn't necessarily have thought of him as, as the type of person that contends there either. So the, the confidence that's shown, I mean, go, to go 17th, 7th, 1st, 14th in a four-event stretch and then make the cut in two of the biggest fields of the year um, for Daniel Brown, I was, I was pretty impressed. So um, not surprised at all to see you on him, and and as you say, the 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 approach player finishing tenth in the last three events and strokes kind of approach is is encouraging. So yep, absolutely no problems at all with Daniel Brown. Yeah, so he's the one that that's my pick of the litter and kind of in that higher range. I think Matthew Baldwin made some sense um, yeah. too. You can kind of make an argument. I mean, he won by a million earlier this year. Um, but Tom, I, I'm going back to the well for my final selection. You can get him. I think. He's 125 with the places here in the States. I'll confirm when we wrap up our betting cards. But the the ball-striking madness of Dan Bradbury, it just continues, Tom. It, it is something that I think is being slept on in a lot of ways because his putter has been bad. I mean, he's gained once with the putter in his last like nine events and that was when he finished T8 at the British Masters where he was also like outside of the top 100 after the first round. Um, we didn't have any strokes gained putting from his win in Joburg. Um, but outside of that, so he's been positive three times this year with a putter. That is all we have um, on on Dan Bradbury. And, and 
What we do see, though, is Irons last week, really, really good against a quality field, finishing 51st, even when he missed the cut at the Irish Open. Exceptional Irons at the Open Championship where he could not ponder chip, was very positive with the Irons again, too. And then off the tee, he's just very, very consistent. Again, outside of the Irish Open and the Porsche European Open, which he withdrew from, he's been positive in every single event uh, since March. And uh, what we just see from him is no matter the field, no matter where it is, he just has this elevated iron game that I think is so slept on. So last week, what was pretty interesting about it too, if you went into the round by round, so he was overall, uh, let's see, for the strokes and approach, he was 16th last week, but that included negative 2.2 strokes in Thursday. He then led the field in irons on Friday was 23rd with irons on Saturday 10th on Sunday and you saw him creep up that leaderboard so if he can find himself with any type of short game I, I truly believe Bradbury can win big big events with this this is I mean he won his first ever event like right like this is something that he has in his bag of tricks so at a true ball striking test is his Accuracy was the best I think it's ever been. I think he was third last week in accuracy in the field. So exceptional from that side of the game. I just think if this, if it plays out the old way, man, I, I couldn't pick somebody better, in my opinion, from this type of the board that I, I trust in the ball striking compartment. There's only a handful of players in this field that are going to rank top 10 in strokes can approach on T-screen over the last month or so since the return, and, and he's one of them, right? So... To very quickly summarise and, and sort of reflect on what you said, that that's the reasoning for it, right? If it, if it, especially if it plays the way it did uh, previously, that is going to really come to the fore. So, again, another person, a little bit like Brown, uh, I guess very similar players, right? Like both English, both broke through this season, both got wins early and probably expected, and both have managed to cope with their wins, I think, pretty... You know, Bradbury hasn't necessarily got the results he wanted, but you already highlighted why. Um, you know, so, yeah, absolutely fine with it. Yeah, so both those two, um, he, he's 125 to one with the places. Um, I like 7,100 and 7,500. Around that range, Tom, who sticks out to you in the low sevens? A player we wanted to go to last week that didn't play, Afi Barmer could be interesting. Yes, I was hoping, I almost yeah. bet him. I was very, very close here. Yeah, like, like if you look at his course form it's not great miscut 43rd miscut disqualified 45th but if you look round by round he was 12th after 54 holes in 2014 and he was pretty solid through three rounds last year 69 71 71 so then finish with a 73 so that's not the easiest thing to do okay he's not got the real low round that you expect from someone like happy Barmer at, at his best but it's a player a little bit like Caramora last last week at Wentworth like he's got a decent set of rounds Karen Moore, obviously, far better course form at Wentworth than Afford Barmer here. But he's got those two spike weeks, 15th for the British Masters, 33rd two weeks ago at the Irish Open, um, that suggests that Afford Barmer can excel in a weaker field. So I think he's won at 7,100. Um, Andy Sullivan's interesting based on just course history um, and the Celtic Manor link. But I don't know that I necessarily trust Andy Sullivan ever. Um, so... That would be one thing to consider, but decent enough. Last week at Wentworth, 36th place, uh, 47th at the Barracuda. So there's been a couple of results. He's just so hard to trust. Um, Sadie was someone that came up for me. Where did he come up? We talked about him. He played well. It was at the Crowns, right? He finished 13th, and he's missed the cut since the Irish Open. I'm just going to look at his form at this golf course. I haven't delved too much into it. So he's got a 16th place finish here. I just think with the way that Sadie has been playing, that 16th, 32nd, two, two renewals ago, a 45th, he can get you through the cut line, Sadie. So 7-3, he's kind of interesting considering uh, his current form before the Irish Open. And then I think you, you've got to take some chances here. Like if it turns out that he's big hitting, I think Paratore could be interesting. Um, but yeah, it, I think this is where you've got to consider the the build and the lineups at the top sky because I do think it's very slim after kind of low sevens. 
Yeah, I think James Morrison is somebody who could who could make some yeah. sense. I think he's made five cuts in a row. Came out almost first round leader last week. Um, if not, was Bearoff is on him this week um, and, yeah, and was second, on last week second, too in play. Yeah, second and seventh. Yeah. So if it goes anything, but I mean, look, even when it's gone to what we consider the the bigger hitted course, he still made the cut three times and he was 20, 22nd after thirty six holes last year. So any sort of regression to the mean in terms of not requiring a distance is going to be a massive factor for him. Um, what about an old faithful Sky in Ross Fisher? I haven't said his name in a little bit. I mean, he fits so, the bill of what 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 I ask for yeah, here. Like right? he he was eighth at Maiden Himland, third after thirty six holes. He was twenty third at the Irish Open, where he was fourth after fifty four holes and played really poorly on Sunday. And then when you look at his uh, course form as well, it's it's fine. Like he's got 34th, 26th, 22nd, 7th. Um, I would say he's probably playing somewhere in between what he was showing when he was 22nd and 7th. So um, I think Ross Fisher at, at 7 could be interesting as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Let's get into the sixes um, and we'll wrap this thing up. Before, yeah. I want to make sure I give a shout out to our audio listeners. Um, you can find us at Daily Fantasy Sports, Picks and Bets, The Mix, available on all different audio platforms. Um, rate, review, subscribe for us. You can find us, too, on YouTube, uh, where the likes and comments go a long way. Try to make sure I swing back there and, and comment back to anybody. We've seen a lot of love this past month, so really appreciate that, as the DFS contests have rewarded us with, with more listeners, um, and so we've appreciated everything Pat Mayo and, and you listeners have done for us uh, in the Ryder Cup. Is, is a huge week next week uh, to represent on, on kind of the content side for the Europeans too. So um, 6Ks, again, I don't really have any long shots this week. Nothing spoke to me um, to that degree. I'm going to rip through guys as I, as I go down pricing that I thought at least somewhat showed up. Catlin could be somebody, in my opinion, that I trust to be accurate, to play with the irons. Um, hasn't done, I guess, all that much. I think we liked him a few weeks ago where he made the weekend but but didn't do all that much. I think it was at Omega. Um, Nacho Elvira, as scary as it could be at 6,700, I believe a winner at the Celtic Manor, right, Tom? Uh, Matt Cooper yeah. tipped him this week, um, which you know, we saw him being the first-round leader at the Omega and, and still missed the cut recently. And then a 23rd at the Irish last week, missed the cut at Wetworth, but he was a second out of nowhere at the Himmerlin. So Nacho Elvira, $6,700 could see. If you're okay with the distance angle, Freddie Scott, 6,700 still stays in those sixes um, there with it. Um, if I'm going to keep going, Jeremy Gandon, I thought was intriguing. If you're going to dip down, he's played primarily um, on the Corn Ferry Tour this year and the South America Tour, where South America Tour, he's got multiple top tens um, this year. He was sixth at the Utah Championship. He had Monday qualified into some Corn Ferry Tour events, um, was really good at some of the greens and regulation numbers. So I think 6,500, if you want to play top heavy, he makes some sense there with it john perry has popped in some recent form overall um in, in like i think he had a second place finish not that long ago and then made a couple other weekends uh fourth place finish at the isps two cuts in a row after that but terrible iron so don't really trust him access is on ricardo santos sixty four hundred dollars this week at 750 to one in the outright market we liked santos after he did miss the cut at the omega i thought he was intriguing popped out of the challenge tour and made the weekend there. Below that, we get into um, some of the guys that have some amateur uh, sides that I could talk about. Tom, is there anybody else in the 6Ks that, that you're intrigued by? So I liked Mikhail Lindbergh at 6,800. Um, I think the ball striking is still there for him. 17th and 13th for the last two, week, two weeks in the strokes gain approach um, and 41st and 20th in tee screen, considering the strength of field in both of those events, I'm pretty impressed with that. His current form uh, reads 23rd and 36th at the Irish Open and the BMW PGA. So just on strength of field and, and ball striking, you would suggest he's a decent fit for this. I wouldn't hate going back to Kjeldsen again. Um, he he was okay for for a period of time when it was at Crowns, I think. that Not Crowns, maybe the Irish Open that I put him up. Um, and okay, he fell away after a a reasonable start, but and missed the cut of Wentworth. But he's a player that's really played well here in the past. Um, he's got a fifth place finish, a thirteenth place finish, 
um, an eighth, a ninth, a seventh. So he's got plenty of stuff here, Kelton, for me that suggests he can play well. He would need it to go back to what it was in the past, which we're hoping it does. In that case, I think he's fine. So there's two guys at 68. You're being asked to pay up for them, obviously, because of the strength of field. You mentioned um, Elvira there. I think it's tough, Sky. Like I think after that, it gets it gets really tough. I'm interested to see what Mark Power does. He's he's made the cut in the Challenge Tour and the DPL Tour in his two starts, and both of them being in Ireland, he's obviously had a lot of home support. Um, but I've been encouraged by what he showed, especially the Irish Open. Every reason to think he could be decent going forward. I think that's it. I think otherwise we're just going for names for names' sake, and I think you can build up lineups without going that far down. So if I'm getting really unique in the bigger contest, um, it has 20k to force. You mentioned Mark Power. John Goff is also playing again this week. The one we were very keen on um, at the Irish Open, who did not do too well, but had a really good Walker Cup, really good pedigree uh, in Ireland. Um, so he is now fully professional. So I think him, just like Power, you can kind of just plug your nose and, and think, you know, whatever's going to come because these guys really do have a lot of upside, in my opinion, at 6,500 and 6,400. If you're going to simply look at golfers who have really good actual strokes, now adjusting for any fields, you're going to have Andoni Echenique. Again, I'm going to really struggle with some of these names because um, of the French guys. 6,100. He is the order of merit leader on uh, the pro golf tour also did really well in the Alps tour. He's got a win and three other top sevens in the last 15 weeks. You also have Clement Gouchard, um, who is second, I believe, on that pro golf tour um, order of merit. He is this week as low. Let's see, Gouchard is also $6,100. So again, we haven't really talked to any French guys you know, overall. He's 20th, 2nd, 6th second in his uh last four events on the pro golf tour did make a couple cuts on the challenge tour earlier this year too we also have um the, probably the best name that we get to have is the oyen giamundi guy g-u-i-l-l-a mundi guy uh, he is 18 years old he won recently on the alps tour made the cut at this event last year um, 6,500, I would much prefer, I would think I would rank him Gandon, Goff, Giamundi guy for me there uh, of that kind of type of golfer, but he has played pretty well. I'm getting up there in the challenge tour. He was in the mix actually um, a couple weeks ago on the challenge tour, but he did miss the cut last week on the, on the Alps tour, which is, I just don't like seeing a miscut on the Alps tour leading into this event. From the amateurs, I think the one would have been Hugo Ligoff, who was at the minimum um, this week. He had a really good last outing. I'm trying to think where it was. Uh, let's see, the junior players, which means he's very young. Uh, so making kind of debut there. And then Frank Kennedy at $6,100. So Frank Kennedy, somebody who turned pro, I believe at 17, has missed a bunch of cuts on the challenge tour. But Frank Kennedy had a, a really strong um, junior kind of career, got some opportunities in the professional, even as an amp. Um, seems to have a bunch of outside. I think he finished third. He lost to the Christ, Christo Lampert to get into the Open Championship recently um, there. So this field does fill out with a lot of those guys. So if you want to really get crazy in the, in the $20, those will be some of the um, selections on my end. But before we talk about everybody in the field, Tom, let's just review our betting cards and close out for the week. Yeah, just one more name. Uh, at some point, Joe Jenner Watson's got to come back, right? Like he's he's like, been so bad. He's been so terrible. Bad. Like his off the tee is awful. But all I would say is the symmetry of how bad it's been is getting better. Like it's gone from six strokes lost off the tee to five to three to three to two to two point four. Like it's going better. I, it's, it's still horrendous, and it's still probably going to see him miss the cut. But he, he only marginally lost an approach last week and around the greens as well. If he can just get through the cut, I think he's someone that can be dangerous because he was uh, 13th here on debut last year and 9th at Celtic Manor. So this is a guy that at the start of the season I was all over because he finished kind of top six in three straight events back in, in the Asian Tour and, and things like that. But 
if he's even showing a slight bit of regression to the mean, which is making some cuts, then I think Jajan Osmond is a, a very volatile but rewarding potentially play at 6,400. Um, but I will wrap up my betting card now. So Alexander Bjork at 20 to 1, Connor Seam at 45 to 1, uh, Nathan Kimsey's now down to 50 to 1, uh, which is about the limit that I would go to. And then Rakoya Hishino is 80 to 1. So don't get in the triple digits this week, but happy with that group of golfers there for me. Yep. For me, it's Aaron Rye, 16 to 1, win only. Yannick Paul, 33 to 1, win only. And then with six places, the rest of the guy out here. So Connor Syme, 45 to 1. Kenny Duplessis, 66. Daniel Brown, 100. And Dan Bradbury, 125 to 1. Put a bow on the Kazoo Open de France. Exciting week ahead here. Ryder Cup will be next week. So we'll have some content on RN2 as a huge opportunity for the Euros to take another one on their soil. So thanks again, Tom. Really appreciate you. And best of luck, everybody, this week.